Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and it is time to break down everything you need to know for this week's Waste Management Open, DFS, betting, and everything in between. To help me do that, I've brought in Greg Ducharme. Greg, uh, new TV star, lots of great things going on in your world. Welcome. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. And there are some new things going on in your world, too. I saw that over there on Twitter, a little a little uh, written fantasy stuff, which is great. Um, I, I got to get involved in that because I always like reading about it to prepare myself for this show and others. Um, but, yeah, course record with Michael Breed started yesterday. That was our very first debut, and um, it was it was fantastic. It's been – we've been working at this for a couple of months now, preparing in Michael's studio, and it's been um, – an exhausting process. All good. All good stuff. An ex- extremely cool process. Cool to learn. But there's basically, uh, you know, we have, uh, we're a three-man team with the help of CBS, CBS, of course. But we're the three. There, Steve Gibbs, who's our camera guy. He's our tech guy. He's our audio guy. He's <laughs> our tech guy. He has been working around the clock tirelessly. So, um, and, and, there have been some stressful moments in the lead up getting ready for it because it's it's like this nervous energy. And it's the coolest thing. When I say stressful, I don't mean that in a negative way at all. It, it's this there's a there's a pressure involved in it that I've never felt before. It's my my first time being on TV, but also just getting the, the project we put so much into. So getting to Monday was extremely exciting. And then it felt like I don't know if you grew up playing sports. But I grew up playing ice hockey. When you get to my old age here of 28 years old, you, you lose that for a little bit between 18 and 28, unless you're playing college sports. So it was really good to get back to that feeling. It was, it was a great time and the show went really well. It went right to plan. And, um, man, I'm just, I'm thankful for everybody at CBS sports. They, they have been so supportive. Yeah. Absolutely stoked for you. Now, when you're on TV, you know, all the time. You got to make sure you get what you get a weekly haircut. You got to make sure you're looking good all the times, right? You can't come in shaggy. Man, you can't come in shaggy. So I got one right before the show, and <laughs> I, I haven't. Uh, I, yeah, I, I did it on Sat the Saturday before the show. So it will not be a weekly thing. It can't be a weekly thing. But I'm thinking monthly, right? Month monthly should. We'll see. We'll have to see how it goes because I'm usually I will let it go for way too long. Just I I, I don't do it uh, with any regularity. I think now it's going to become a regular thing. My my guess right now is monthly. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, best of luck with that the rest of the way. Uh, another thing that was pretty shaggy uh, last week was the rough at Torrey Pines. So we didn't get a chance to talk through uh, the finish of that event. So yeah. we'll do a quick little recap here. I mean, Mark Leishman uh, kind of steals the show a little bit on Sunday, does – get the job done in a way that we did not expect a golfer to be able to do, which is hit three of 14 fairways and go out and shoot a seven under 65 on Sunday to, uh, to best John Rom, to best Rory McIlroy, all these big names. This was pretty surprising to me. How about you, Greg? Well, look, there's a couple of things when you're missing fairways. One is there's a luck involved when you miss a fairway it's not just like every time you miss a fairway you're going to get a terrible lie you can miss it in a fairway bunker look at the first hole for instance mark leishman hits it in the right bunker john rom hits the same shot he he just his ball ends up outside the bunker he's standing in the bunker and the difference is two shots john rom misses the green to the left mark leishman's ball ends up in the bunker he has a clean lie and is able to knock it up there and make a birdie so that's one missed fairway. The other thing, the other thing is he missed some shots pretty big and he missed them pretty wide, especially later on the back nine. And that gave him opportunity to get a little bit better of a lie. So missing the fairway by a little bit 
was more penal than missing the fairway by a lot. But here's the other thing about Mark Leishman. He missed eight of the fairways that he missed were to the right-hand side. Of the three that were to the left, <laughs> one of them I'm not even sure was it, – it was a, a wide-side miss on the dog leg. I can't remember exactly what hole it was, but he hit it barely into the right rough, uh, the left rough on a dog leg to the right, which means he was probably aiming there, and knowing that he was missing to the right, uh, he probably overdid it a little bit. So I'm not, I'm not even sure that that was a miss. That may have been his target, leaving room for the miss right to end up in the fairway. So when I look at, there's a couple different things. One, I think he sorted out his swing from President's Cup, got rid of his two-way miss, and just had a right miss, which probably looked worse than it was on TV. Um, and then also, there's just a, a bit of fortune when you miss a fairway. What are you going to get? And he was fortunate to get a swing, get a, a lie that he could make do with, and then the biggest reason that he won, obviously, Rick, was the putter, right? Oh, yeah. Just absolutely scorching. Uh, made every birdie putt and then every, like, 10-footer that he left himself with for par. Those were pure as well. Actually, you brought up a good point about the President's Cup, and I meant to I meant to ask Mark this on Sunday night because his brother Trevel, Trevor, excuse me, on, um, on Golf Central that night, he actually was mentioning it was I think it was Saturday at the President's Cup. Leishman was in that group that was like five down to who was it, JT and Ricky. Yeah. And they fought back to have the match. And and Trevor had actually mentioned like that was a moment where when you're Mark Leishman, like, you know, you're you're in the ringer, uh you're getting you're getting challenged at the highest level. Like you can fight through and you can find ways to succeed and like stuff like that carries with you. So I thought that was an interesting point. I meant to bring it up with Mark on Sunday, but here we are talking about it. I'm glad we got to. <clears throat> yeah, it's it is funny how the President's Cup can still have an impact. Just a, a little moment like that. But Mark Leishman was put into a um he, he was asked a lot uh, how do I say this? Ernie Yells asked a lot of him at the president's cup he put him with uh he put him with i want to say he put him with joaquin neiman that was the first group out and he, yep. he put him with kind of in in not only did he put him with young players but he put him in tough matches uh, taking on tiger taking on jt and ricky situations like that he leaned on mark leishman and so i i think that record he did struggle a little bit but i i don't know necessarily i think he was more valuable to that team than his record would indicate for sure, and it's been uh, quite a year so far for the Aussies, Cam Smith at the Sony Open, Mark Leishman at Torrey Pines. And to recap our one-and-done picks, Greg, uh, you were the only one of, like, the first-cut regulars who got any money whatsoever. Uh, Mark and Kyle went with Gary Woodland. That's a goose egg. I went with Justin Rose. That's a goose egg. You had Tony Finau. You get nearly a quarter of a million dollars. you got to feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I feel pretty good. Uh, this is... The season is young, but Tony did exactly what I wanted him to do, right? Tony did exactly what I expected him to do. Um, I was calling him, kind of, you know, he's a guy that's going to give you a T5 in an event like this. And uh, he had just great results, great past history at Torrey Pines. It was in great form. So there was nothing not to love about Tony Finau this past week. Uh, and I think that the biggest thing for you, Rick, and I, we talked about this a little bit, but it's got to hurt. Justin Rose is now off your board, and he got you zero dollars. Well, I mean, were you obviously you're surprised by that because you wouldn't pick him if you thought there was a chance he missed the cut. But how are you feeling now? Yeah, you're absolutely right. When you when you burn one of these guys and get literally nothing for it, uh, it puts you behind the eight ball a little bit. The good news is there's yeah, there's plenty of golf left. There's plenty of great golfers left, and there's a lot of places that you can make up money. It is just in the same way that Justin Rose, you know, unlikely goes out and miss the cut. You might pick someone later in the year that unlikely goes out and gets you a million and a half bucks with a win. Like there That's is right. a lot of volatility in this. So yep, d uh, definitely disappointed with Rose there, but on we go. Like you know what, thirty five weeks or something like that left. Yeah, there's plenty of golf left. As they say. As they say. So let's talk about the golf that is left. Uh, right here in front of us, Waste Management Phoenix Open. The course, TPC Scottsdale. Uh, I would say really nothing like Torrey Pines in the way that uh, the rough is not going to be nearly as penal. The fairways are wider. We've seen some guys kind of bomb and gouge their way around this course. Uh, what are we looking for this week at TPC Scottsdale? First of all, it's a little bit wider. It's going to give you a little bit, um, a little bit more room off the tee than Torrey Pines, 
which is always beneficial. Um, and, and then the greens are different. The greens are a different surface. So they're going to Bermuda greens rather than the Poa greens, which will be fat. They'll be fast, but significantly easier than, than the greens at Torrey Pines. So, um, that's definitely going to play a factor. The weather is going to be, the wind's going to be blowing less than 10 miles an hour all week. So I think this will be an easier test. I'm not saying they're going to go shoot 30 under, but I don't think they're, the players are really going to have a difficult time with it. I, I think you're probably looking at somebody approaching 20 under. Maybe they don't quite get there, but, but you can definitely get after this golf course. There are some great birdie opportunities, even beyond the three reachable par fives you have. Um, you know, the short drivable 17th, the 16th hole is an easy, it, it, it's a nothing par three, except for the <laughs> 100,000 people that are, that are surrounding that green, right? Which for me is something, but you are right. It is a fairly easy shot if you remove everything else that's going on. Uh, yeah, yeah. what I, what I think is interesting is, uh, the back nine, uh, specifically, you know, there is some water lurking on the back nine, some tee shots that can kind of come into play, but there are, like, if everything goes right, you can fire something really low on the back. We've seen, like, Brandon Grace charge up the leaderboard. Uh, last year, we've seen guys kind of come back and make big moves. And a lot of that, I think, uh, is what I like about the, the, that par four drivable 17th hole, which to me, if you're going to have a drivable par four, it has to, has to be a risk reward hole. And that is exactly what the 17th is where you've got water all the way down the left. I see we've seen Ricky Fowler drive it through, uh, through the green off the back into the water. Like you can make a low, a, a, a small number. You can make a very big number there. Yeah. There's definitely a way to play that hole. And, and it does depend on the hole location, which I really like. So that is a very interesting hole, hole location dependent. If you're smart and you don't need an Eagle, the way to play that hole is to hit a three wood up there to the towards uh, right around the front of the green and pitch to any of those hole locations. And then it becomes a very easy hole. If you make that mistake, if you make an error and hit it in the water there, you're losing a lot to the field. Cause like I said, I mean, some of these guys are going to hit three wood onto the green likely depending on the, uh, the direction of the light wind that we'll have. But uh, I, I really think that's a must birdie hole. For sure. So, uh, you mentioned it, ideal conditions, mid seventies, no rain, barely any wind. Uh, it's going to be ideal scoring conditions for these guys. And we're going to jump into the DFS player pool. But before we do that, one thing I, I wanted to bring up that I noticed is I don't know if you saw this too, but a lot of guys have great course history here. They have a lot of great track records, which when I was looking through, you know, you know, we look at the courses every single week. Course history here is a lot stickier than it is at other places, meaning that if you have success here, uh, you continue to have success here. Hideki's had an unbelievable run. Ricky Fowler has a great record. John Rahm has a great record. Kucher, Woodland. I mean, just it, it's it's much different than Torrey Pines, where what we saw last week is a guy wins one year, then he misses the cut, and then he can have a top five, and then he misses the cut again. It seems that if you have the skill set for whatever TPC Scottsdale uh, is looking for, and you have success, you find it year over year. I think so, too. It's a golf course that is very gettable, as you mentioned. And if you see the shots, if you like the shots at hand, then they there's not a lot of changing conditions. That's, I guess, the the moral of the story. Last year was a different. Last year was different. Last year, there were some unusual conditions, I would say. But more or less, I mean, this is the desert, right? You're getting benign conditions. I call it dome golf out there. And you're playing indoors almost. So the guys that like the shots that you're faced with, they get those shots year after year. And that's one of the reasons why they continue to be successful. I, I love going through the list and handicapping these kind of events. Yeah, well, let's handicap it. So uh, we'll jump into the player breakdown. But before we do that, let's take a break and hear a word from our partners. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings us to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. 
It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. All right, Greg, uh, it's time. Let's jump into the betting board and the DraftKings player pool here. And there are five golfers in that DraftKings player pool that are over $10,000, led by John Rahm at 11400 followed by Justin Thomas at eleven two, Ricky Fowler at ten five, Webb Simpson at ten three, and Hideki Matsuyama at ten one. As I mentioned, there are guys here uh, with elite course history. You know, Hideki won this back-to-back. Ricky Fowler is your defending champion, and he's knocked on the door basically every year that he's played this event. Uh, John Rahm has, like, never missed the cut. He's never been outside the top 16. This is whatever you want here. So what do you want, Greg? Well, I love Hideki this week. Um, he... I, I just I think Hideki's playing well, even though he had a T45 last week at Torrey. I, I look at Hideki and I say, well, he's 182nd in strokes game putting, and he's seventh in scoring average, including a week last week that was his worst week of the year so far by far uh, at, at Torrey Pines. I, I just I look at him and I think he's playing so well. All all he needs is an average putting week here at the Waste Management, and he has a very good chance of winning. So I love Hideki. He happens to be the cheapest option on this list. And it's hard to fade John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, and Webb Simpson. So the only guy I'm really comfortable fading in this group is Ricky. Um, and that, and that has to do with not last week. I, I think Torrey Pines has given Ricky a really hard time. He, he's made, he's missed like four of the last five cuts there. And the one he made was like a tie 61st. So Ricky's had a hard time with Torrey. And I don't think that's a great indicator of how we'll play this week. But I just I don't have any faith in Ricky. He he basically broke my heart at the American Express. He was my one and done pick. Um, I, I thought, and he was yours too that week, right? He, That's and he's, right. He's co-leading after 36 holes, and he's basically he's the star of the show. Ricky Fowler that week was the the one name on top of the leaderboard, and he fell all the way to T10, and it just it's just disheartening. And I'm not seeing Ricky. I, Ricky to me is now entering the realm of of overpriced, which is hard to say. He's a great player. I know this is a great venue, but I'm just uh, a little bit down on him. And if he proves me wrong and wins this week, I'll be thrilled. Please, Ricky, prove me wrong, but there's no way I I can pick him this week. Rahm and Thomas, to me, though, you can't go wrong with either of those two guys. Yeah, my problem with Ricky is that... Where he's priced. I mean, I'd rather play Webb and I'd rather play Hideki, and they're both both cheaper than he is, so... and, and what I actually notice is, is super interesting here. So the, the DraftKings salaries usually coincide with the, uh, the betting odds, like pretty closely. Or whoever is the, the betting favorite, they're going to be like, you know, 11,000 something and then they're going to work their way down. Uh, Webb Simpson actually opened up as the third uh, shortest odds in this event. He opened up at 12, which was actually shorter than Ricky and Hideki, which is, Awesome and a little surprising because Vegas never really gives Webb the uh, the attention he deserves. But to, to now see him priced below Fowler here, like that's the guy where I'm probably starting. If I wanted to be like a, a really safe lineup, um, you know, I don't think Webb is ever going to burn you, you know, knock on wood. So he's he's a, a really uh, strong play. But I got to go back. I think I got to play Justin Thomas again. And I actually think he's sitting there at uh, – Eight and a half to one to win this golf tournament. And this is a guy who had his literally like one of his worst putting performances ever, uh, at the Sony Open, which is the last time we've seen him. He lost 4.4 strokes putting Greg in two rounds, missing the cut. That's so his- why do you want to go back to that? Because it's because it's not going to happen again. Because putting is such yeah. a volatile yeah. stat. Uh, and the fact that that is literally his worst two round total in like the last four years. Um, the only, the only tournaments he's had a worse number than that. He's played all four rounds and like, yeah, it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't happen that often. You know, he gains strokes putting in like 
over 50% of his rounds. There's no way, like if you just give him four shots back, uh, you could be in, you could be in trouble. So I think I'm going back to JT there, but you're right. I mean, there's, it's, it's a plethora of riches at the top. The, yeah, they really are. I mean, I, I just, I look at, um, I, I look at John Rahm and I just, I think he is as close to a can't miss guy that I can remember. I, I, there's no, look, I mean, look at what he's done since the U.S. Open. I, I, I don't know if you've looked at this. T3 at the U.S. Open, T11 at the Open, seventh at, at the FedEx St. Jude Invitational, T3 at the Northern Trust, T5 at the BMW, T12 at the Northern Trust, uh, at the Tour Championship, rather. And then this year, 10th at the Century Tournament of Champions, second at the Farmers Insurance Open. Like, the, a bad week for John Rahm is, 10th place so there's he is just i i, I see <laughs> a little crazy. bit more volatility a little more volatility than um in justin thomas than i do in john rom uh, it's just it, do you think that price is concerning do you like that price i mean he, here's the thing you just rattled off his his results which are all they're all worldly they're unbelievable so i i, I think it's just a matter of how sustainable this is uh you know rom is clearly one of the best players in the world but what you're asking for from 11,400 is that he probably finishes top three like he's gonna have to pay himself off there um with a with a pretty big finish if he finishes t9 he probably doesn't do it so like it's it's a it's a weird situation where you're you're asking him to do a lot and he's done it over and over again but like yeah that's i i generally fade these guys because they require such a high finish in the tournament yeah I, it actually it makes a little bit of sense like can this really is he really this good is this john rom playing his best or is this just who john rom is it, if this is who he is then we're in for a real treat with him because it, yeah. it's hard to imagine i but it's hard to tell i mean his game is so well-rounded it's so simple it doesn't look like he can play a bad tournament, but that's easy to say when it's going well. All of a sudden, I mean, in this game, it can flip in a hurry. So you do always have to worry about that. But, man, he's – as I, this is all I'll say. He's as close to a lock as I've seen since I've been involved in this kind of DraftKings game. I, I I have a hard time fading John Rahm this week, especially for Justin. I love Hideki. I, if you're going to go all the way down to Webb or Hideki and start there, and you're just going to try to go for a balanced lineup. I think you can do that, but I'm not going to fade John Rom for Justin Thomas. Um, I, but I would, I would fade them both for for a more balanced lineup. You know what I'm All saying? Right. Yeah. Let's talk about some of those guys then, because there are some good options below ten thousand. So this is the range where we get uh, Xander Shoffley's here, Tony Finau, Matt Kuchar, rounded out with Gary Woodland, Colin Morikawa, Bryson back over in the states, and Bubba Watson. So here's what I think is most interesting. Uh, the man you used in the one and done last week, Tony Finau, who is clearly great. We you know, top five, Tony finds a top five everywhere in the world. Um, four straight missed cuts at a course that should absolutely set up well for him here in, in, at TPC Scottsdale. Like what, what do you think this is? I, I just think he doesn't see that he just doesn't see it. It's the only explanation I can have. He must just look up at some of these shots and say, I don't know what to do on some of these holes or I just can't find bird. I, I really, I'm at a loss. It doesn't make any sense, but <laughs> it, it, de- it definitely, it, it almost, it helps in this group. Cause I know I can now cross Tony Finau out. There's no way I'm, I'm playing him. Um, and if he burns me, it'll be a great surprise that I'll be very happy with. But uh, I, I did hear your podcast on Sunday with Mark and Kyle and um, Mark's expecting a little Tony Finau contingent coming out of me here and I loved him at Torrey Pines not so fast here he is definitely a fade for me all day yeah I mean hard to argue we we talked about how sticky course history is here I mean it would be one thing if yeah if this was super super volatile course results and uh Tony was, you know, all missing cuts, but this is four in a row at a place where if you have success, you continue that success. But how about this one? I'm trying to bounce back with Gary Woodland. Um Gary Woodland was one of the most popular DFS golfers last week. Uh burned everybody by missing the cut, and now he's ninety three hundred dollars at a place where he won 
won two years ago, seventh place last year. And you know what? Torrey Pines jumped up and got him. He had one really bad putting round on the south course, and he uh, slammed his trunk. Like, I think I can get Gary while the rest, you know, this is kind of like, um, I'll bob, I'll bob while while everyone else weaves and and stays away from Gary this week. It's a sneaky, it's a sneaky, sneaky pick, and you know it's not a, it's not terrible. You look at a, a seventy-five, seventy in that um in in the first two rounds at the Farmers. It it's really uh, that happened to a lot of great players, and I don't necessarily think it's a sign of trouble for Gary. And when you hit the ball the distance that he does, it can be hard to find fairways sometimes. And as we said earlier. And Mark alluded to this as well um, on your podcast on Sunday night. Narrowly missing fairways was more penal at Torrey Pines than missing fairways big was. And Gary is an accurate driver of the ball for for his distance especially. So when when you're hit it that far, you get some of those little those shots just kind of roll into the into the rough. It, it's just it doesn't mean that it's a bad tee shot, but it can put you in real trouble on the hole. So I don't look at that and say, okay, Gary's in real trouble. This is going to be a problem. It, it's just one of those things. You miss a couple fairways. It doesn't go your way. A 75 can happen so quick out there. It doesn't mean you're in bad form. So um, the T7 at the century was, was uh, pretty good as well. And another course that he really likes. And with his course history here at the waste management, I, I think this is a great pick. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, the other, thing that I have going on here is uh Bubba's here. Okay, so Bubba's here in the $9,000 range. I feel like Bubba has – there's like five courses that you want to get Bubba at. It's like uh obviously like Augusta. He's got the history there. He's got the history in Hartford. Like this yep. feels like a Bubba course. It is a Bubba course. He has a great, uh, great course history here. The last two years haven't been great, but you can kind of explain those away. 2017, uh, well, the last two times he's played here, rather. 2017, he, um, he changed his golf ball, had some like extreme weight loss things. It was a very strange year for Bubba. And then he didn't have a great tournament in 2018 either. But I, I do think that it's a great, it's a course Bubba likes. I think it's a course he can see, he can see what's going on. I have no trouble with Bubba here. Bubba, just in general, even though this is one of his courses, he just makes me nervous for a pick. It's a high-risk pick. Yes. And at his price, in this middle range, I the way that I do it, I don't know if you – I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I kind of – in this range, I go for more safety picks, like a Colin Morikawa or a Xander Shaw. Xander's a little high. He's really close to the $10,000 range. But like a Colin Morikawa or a Matt Kuchar – or a Gary Woodland, one of those three guys to me is really safe. It makes me feel really good. Mm. And, and it's kind of like an anchor spot. I can almost guarantee a top 20. That's what I'm looking for in that $9,000 range. With Bubba, it's like a, it's boom or bust. This is like the kind of thing I would expect to get in a in a seven or, or even a $6,000 range. Yeah, you certainly don't want to be investing uh, this much in guys that are, I mean, Bubba's kind of the case where he's almost as likely to miss the cut as he is to win the golf tournament. But he, I mean, this is, goes very much against what you want here. But Bryson is 9,100. Bubba is 9,000. If I make you play one in your lineups, both very volatile, who are you picking? Bubba, all day long. Bryson's not volatile in his, uh, in, in his nature. He is going through something right now. So I'm not, down in the dumps on Bryson as a whole for for his career, but I'm down on him for a little bit here. And he's going to be one of those guys. You talk about being late or being early on a guy with yeah. Bryson. I'm going to have to see it again before I go there because once he gets it, it'll he'll stick with it. It'll stay consistent. He's he's not a streaky guy. He does things in a very regimented way. Bubba is just all all around. He's streaky throughout his whole career. It's been extremely hot pockets of play. And he had a great week last week, which is a sign coming to another one of those Bubba courses that he likes. It's a sign that he's going to play pretty well. He just has such a high cut risk. I don't like it, but I definitely like him more than Bryson DeChambeau. What I like about Bubba is you'll know Thursday afternoon whether it's a Bubba week or not, because if You're he right, starts that, out that slow, so he's going to just hit the eject button and get the heck out of there and, and think about the Super yep. Bowl and all that stuff. But if he's in it, uh, he's in it for the long haul. So you know about Bubba very early in the week, which is what yeah. I like. About him. I, see, I, I don't like that. I, I don't <laughs> want to see a guy. I don't like picking a guy who's going to who's going to just check out. And it, it seems like he does. Maybe he just doesn't have it. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But when I watch him, 
Bubba checks out when it doesn't go his way in round one. And I, that to me, like, I like to have guys that they shoot a 75 in round one, like Gary Woodland. I, I have a little bit of hope that he's going to really push and make the cut. And Gary came very close to making the cut, but that, like, like he, he's given it, it looks like he's given it his all. With Bubba, he may be, but it doesn't look like it. So I, that, I'm not crazy about that. Okay. Let me pause there because I want to look at the, the actual outright bets here for a second. And I want to tell you that I have already bet Gary Woodland at 28 to one. Uh, and the reason for doing that is all the things that we've talked about, but I was looking back at what his odds were last year, uh, coming off of, you know, he was the defending champion last year and he was 18 to one. And I was just thinking if Gary even made the cut last week, uh, if he showed anything at all, you know, T22, he might be 22 to 1, he might be 20 to 1, or he might be that 18 to 1 number again this week. That miscut, I think, really held his number longer than it should be. And I saw it at 28 and I jumped on it. I, I don't think it's a bad bet. I like the player. I, I'm not really looking to choose these things based on just simply where the odds are. The odds are there for a reason. If you get a player that you really like, if you really like Gary Woodland, whether he's at 18 to 1 or at 28 to 1, I, I think you bet him. I don't think it matters if, if his odds shift by, um, you know, by, by 10 like that. I, I just, I don't think that's the way you play the game, but that's my personal opinion. That being said, we were just talking about Bubba and I got to say, Bubba at 26, I, I mean, 2600 here. I love Bubba in that place because you throw a little bit on him because he's, has that chance of winning and, and it's pretty good odds. I think you throw a little bit on Bubba in the bet, but you stay away in the DraftKings. Um, and, and Woodland, I think is a great play in either. Yeah, this is an interesting range. I mean, Bubba's at, at 26, uh, Morikawa and Woodland here at, uh, I got Woodland at 28. I'm seeing him at 29 here with Morikawa, but, uh, Finau's here. It's like uh, very possible the winner comes out of that range of golfers. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, All look right. at, you got Kucher in there. there. There's a, there's a pile in there that could win. For sure. All right. Sub 9K guys. Uh, I'm not going to read them all off here, but it ba- basically runs from, I don't know, Brant Snedeker at 89 down to Matt Wolf and Ryan Moore at an even 8,000. Um, I'm going to work my way up here. Matt Wolf to me, um, I, I think we're going to have a very difficult time determining what week is Matt Wolf's week? Because I think he, as we talked about, you're going to see elite weeks and you're going to see pretty poor weeks. But uh, Wolf, for me, a guy that doesn't have to worry about how penal the rough is. He can go out and just absolutely smack the crap out of the ball this week at TPC Scottsdale. And I think we started to see something a little bit from him last week because he's historically not a great, uh, not a great approach player. Uh, but on the bright side, he was sixth in strokes gained approach on the weekend last week at Farmers. And I use the weekend because that's when both or that's when everyone was playing the South course. Everyone was kind of on an evil, even playing field. So to finish uh, sixth for the weekend in strokes gained approach, if you if he gets anywhere close to that all week and he hits his driver like he normally does, like this kid's in play. Yeah, I, I think I understand where you're coming from. I think all the logic makes sense i look at matthew wolf and i i uh i thought that he was going to kind of have a pop-up week at the american express he did not um and i i just as i look back at his records here i don't see great i I don't see greatness i see a win i see one great week and i see a lot of okay weeks and you mentioned that iron play um and and it's a little bit of a concern i think it gives him a hard time i just i'm not ready to jump on the Matthew Wolf bandwagon yet. I see a lot of made cuts, but a lot of kind of eh, finishes. And and there's like a T13 at the Zozo, which is great. T21 at the Farmers. He played a really nice weekend uh, of, of golf there. But there's just – and it was a great comeback for him to make the cut after the 76. But So I really like him as a player. I just – I have – I'm not there yet to get him on into my uh, DraftKings lineup. So maybe it's just because he broke my heart at the American <laughs> Express, right? The, I mean, the T61 there, that was uh, – the, the weekend was just – it was worse than Ricky. It was really disappointing. Yeah, the weekend was bad. And you're right. I mean, the, the concern is uh, the irons, right? I mean, he had a 
four tournament stretch from Rocket Mortgage to the Wyndham in which he was great with his irons. Then he was pretty bad with his irons. And then the Farmers was like the first time he had gained again uh, since since the Wyndham. So, yeah, he's all over the place. He's volatile. He's young. I've, I bet him uh, I bet him top ten. I got him uh, five and a half to one on a top ten number because I'm not really – asking the kid to go out and win again. I'm just asking him to kind of find the top end of his ceiling. Um, now, if we're not going with Wolf, who else in this 8K range? I mean, Jordan Spieth is in here, Brandon Grace, Sung J M. Who is Who's catching your eye down here? So uh, it's actually, it's not an area that I really like, especially in Pep. the lower side of it. Camp Smith interests me. Camp Smith definitely interests me, but I'm not sold on it. I'm not sure about his iron play, Ryan Palmer, another guy that I picked last, I loved him last week. Uh, yeah. and, and I did pick him uh, in some of my pools, but he, he is not, this is not the week for him. His, his, the driving of the ball, his strength is kind of out this week. Ches Reavy interests me a little bit, but not a whole, Scotty Scheffler and Sung JM are probably the two guys in this, in this 8K group that, um, that I, that I really like. I, I think they're wonderful players. And again, this group, it doesn't jump out at me. It doesn't really catch my eye, but I would say Scotty Scheffler has been playing great. I think he, um, I think he's a great player. I think this is a great venue for him. It reminds me a lot of the American Express being in the desert, that dome golf kind of feel. I think Scotty will thrive. Um, and Sung J.M. I think is kind of in that can't miss range, right? He's, he's like, you could put him on your team every single week. I think he came in tied seventh here last year. So I would put Song JM on my team without a question of a doubt. He's got to be the the lead guy here for me. He's an animal. Uh, I am uh, in the fan club for both of those guys, Scotty Scheffler and Sung JM. So you don't have to twist my arm uh, to roster any of those guys or even bet uh, either of those guys. I do think there is something to Brandon Grace. So I'm not generally a huge Brandon Grace fan, but uh, pretty good results recently across the pond. So Alfred Dunhill Championship, he finished third. He won the South African Open. He was one of the, the favorites to win it, but he cashed it in. He won it. Seven 17th in Abu Dhabi, and then remember, he charged up the leaderboard here last year to finish second. The reason I kind of like guys like this is because the DraftKings user base and the way they pick lineups is generally pretty U.S.-based. And guys that don't come over and play a whole lot on the PGA Tour generally go overlooked. And Brandon Grace is one of those guys, uh, you know, despite being top I don't know what he is, I guess 80 in the world, something like that. He just doesn't end up on a lot of rosters when you look at it at the end of the week. So I think that someone who's been playing well, has good course history, and will probably go overlooked by a lot of the casuals that, quite frankly, here's the thing, Greg, it's Super Bowl week. A lot of casual people are going to be on DraftKings making Super Bowl lineups and all that stuff, and they're going to see a PGA contest and throw money in there on um, Spieth and, like, I don't know, Ryan Moore, and just, like, names that they know as opposed to doing any research in this. Right. I, I think you're absolutely right about that. There's going to be a lot of that action going in here. Um, Brendan Grace is a guy that has shot a 60, what he shot a 62 in, at the Open Championship. He's immensely talented. He is a, a just a great player and hasn't played in, in the States since, well, I guess on the PGA Tour, I should say, since the Bermuda Championship. This year on the PGA Tour has not been a great year. He has three missed cuts, his best finish. Uh, also across the pond at the CJ Cup was tied 46. So that doesn't really give you a lot of uh, a lot to like. Um, but but the other events that he's played in, as you mentioned, the um, as you mentioned on the European Tour over there, playing pretty well. And the other thing is the the charge up the leaderboard, right? Second last year in the waste management, you you gotta like that. So um, I, I think there's a lot to like about him. I'm just, I, I haven't seen him enough. And this is why, this is why he's going to be a, a very unpicked player because yep. we haven't seen him. And so it doesn't get, there's nothing that gives me any excitement over him. I'm not looking at Brendan Gray saying, Oh, uh, that's a guy I got to have on my team. I'd much rather go with the song JM, but that there's definitely a bias in there. So I understand where you're coming from. Maybe I'm just part of that user base. That's going to overlook <laughs> Brendan Grace, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. I'll be interested to see. Uh, I'll make a note and see what his ownership is, but I bet you it is like sub 
6% or something like that just because yeah. it's – yeah, I mean there's just going to be a lot of a lot and of non And especially surrounding him. you got Sungay Im and yeah. Jordan Spieth who's, and Brant Snedeker is right there. Scotty Scheffler, like he's in, yeah. he's in a pocket where – there's plenty of options in that price range that you are, that you know you're familiar with. And there are guys that make, I mean, Scotty Scheffler, it makes you feel warm and fuzzy, right? He, <laughs> yeah. Plays, plays great in the desert. You love Scotty Scheffler, even down to Victor Hovland. You'd rather pick him over, over Brendan Grace if you're the casual fan like me. Yeah, that's actually a good point. There are a lot of pretty popular guys in this range as well. Um, anybody else here? We covered a lot of that range. Anyone else? Uh, in the eights that we should talk about before we jump down to the sevens. No, I, I'm, right. I'm that range. I, I am again, like I said, beyond Sung J M and uh, and Scotty Scheffler. I'm not real. I'm not real high on that range. All right, now's where we get into. Oh man, there are a lot of golfers under eight thousand dollars. There's a lot in the seven K range, but I've narrowed it down to a couple. Now, what you're seeing a lot in this range is the way that I feel is you're getting like one. You're getting one thing. You're getting like an elite skill set or you're getting good recent form or you're getting good course history and you are getting you're not getting two of any of them. You're certainly not getting three of any of them because they would be much more expensive than this. So you kind of have to pick and choose what you're looking for here. Um, I'm opting to go with the hashtag team no putt guys like Ben on. OK, Ben on is seventy six hundred dollars. I have uh, bet him at 80 to one. And I've also bet him in a top five situation because here's what I'm looking at, Greg. Let me try to put the, the Benny on sell yeah. on you here for a second. All right. You, I need a sell. I need a sell. All right. No, no doubt. Uh, one of the best tee to green players on the planet. Seventh on tour last year. Clearly his issue is the putting green. Okay. In his last 12 rounds at TPC Scottsdale, he has gained strokes putting in nine of them. And is gaining a half a stroke per round, which is a full stroke better than his like long-term baseline. So he is someone that, hey, it could be luck, it could be whatever, or he might actually have an affinity for these greens in Phoenix and it may parlay into success. I, I just, I, you know, maybe. It might. It's hard to say that you're wrong, but I just I look at Ben on and he's been so it's he's just been a disappointment lately. I mean, look at the recent the the way that he's been playing of late is at the American Express. You just you go on the website, you look at these and this is after President's Cup again, which makes it even more disappointing because everybody that has played in the President's Cup has seemingly gone out and won or nearly won a tournament and has had great success. Ben on has kind of been the opposite. He's been the letdown man. He's in the American Express. You look at it, 70, 72, 70, missed cut. You think, oh, well, that's just kind of average. But it's worse than that scoreboard looks like. I, I have a hard time thinking. I, again, we talked about him last week leading into the farmers. And I said, I got to see where he is. Is this, a, is this something that's going to linger after the American Express? Was that eight just a, a fluke? And he kind of got it, got into his head for the rest of the week and he was just kind of, threw up his hands and, and gave up on it? Or was it something for real? And I, I wonder if there's a shot in Ben on game that is really concerning him right now. Um, and, and so I'm just, I'm not there. All right. I, listen, I, I think these are positives. I think the negatives are positives. Uh, taking an eight at the American Express after starting like five under par through the first five holes at least shows me that he's capable of doing, like there are literally guys on the tour who are incapable of making five birdies in a row. Benny on, not one of those guys. Then he goes to farmers and loses seven strokes putting. I know he's not a good putter. Like, that's the point. That is what Benny Ahn does. He's fitting into the mold of exactly what I know he is. And now he goes to a place where he's had really good success. And we've continued to say success here builds on itself. He had a sixth in 2017, a 23rd in 2018, and a 20th in 2019. And, like, before the Amex, like, he was playing well. He had, like, three straight top 15s coming in. Like, I, I don't know. I... I could be biased in this. He's just someone that I've had my eye on. And as that, yeah. as his odds have climbed, right? I mean, he, he was, he was a thousand dollars more expensive probably a week or two ago. And now he's, now he's 7,600. His odds have dropped all the way down to 80 to one when usually he's like a 40 to one guy. Yeah. So maybe that's what's, what's, um, you know, I'm keeping my eye on him and seeing that stuff. But like, it, it's, it's a lot of movement for someone that I generally think is a pretty good golfer. 
Yeah, he is, uh, he is a very good golfer. Uh, no question about it. Those, those past results here are just, they're not quite good enough. They're, it's not necessarily what I want to stick. It's not like, especially when you look at what happened after he made the eight. I know you think it's a great thing, but he comes in <laughs> in great form, right? Yeah. Like you said, at the, at the American Express, Mark Immelman picked him. This is why, right? That's a, it's a, it was a good pick at the time. Tied sixth at the CJ Cup, tied eighth at the Zozo, tied 14th. Um, in, in China at the HSBC champions. And all of a sudden at the president's cup, he, he actually plays very well too. And we're thinking Ben on's going to come out and be a, a force in the game. And then he starts the American express the way he does. And then, and then after that eight, we have rounds of 72, 70 on extremely easy golf courses, uh, for PGA tour standards. And then a 67 at the farmers and then 74, 77. 71. It's just been disappointing. And I, I think there's something going on in his swing. I think he, he has, he, I think he's fighting something. I think there's a shot that is bothering him. And the, the recent there, the course history just isn't enough to make me jump over all that stuff uh, to, to go for Ben on. But that's me. You that's take, fair. I know you're a risk taker. Rick. You <laughs> take your, you, you go after it. I know you're, you're looking at his price, his odds on the way down. I'm, I'm staying away, but you, you have at it. That's fair. I rest my case on Benny on. Tell me which one of these guys in the 7K range that uh, you, you're selling me. Uh, I'm going to sell you on Brian Harmon. I, I am mm. extremely high on Brian Harmon. I think that he is in a place where he's playing quite well. And although distance is a great advantage here, just like it is at, at every other golf course, right. it, it's it's one of those places where a guy like Matt Kuchar can really have great success as well. Uh, Kuchar being another guy that I think can play really well this week. It, it's, it sets up, it, it really rewards good ball striking. It rewards solid iron shots. Brian Harmon has a solid course record, uh, course history here at this venue. And I just, I think we're seeing Brian Harmon come back. He had a hard year. Last year, he hasn't been playing great since basically, um, I, I want to say it was 2017 when he had a, he had just a great year. It, 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 we haven't really been there with him, but I think it's on the way back. I think you're going to see Brian Harmon really perform well. Um, and, and looking at some of his recent form, it's been pretty good. Um, tied 14th at the RSM Classic, tied 32nd in Hawaii with uh, just, he had one bad round there. So, Tied 32nd at the Sony Open in Hawaii. He goes 68-68 in brutal conditions. A 74 on Saturday, also in brutal conditions. Backs it up with a 67 on Sunday. And then he goes to the American Express and shoots rounds of 67, 67, 69, and 70, which that 70, it, it just it, just because it didn't get going doesn't mean that he's playing poorly. It doesn't mean that he's hitting it bad. So I, I look at the last basically eight rounds, um, and it's really probably more than that. I mean, it, it's probably in the last 12 rounds on the PGA Tour, you're looking at 10 of them that have been really, I would say, really, really good. And there have mm. been just two kind of bad rounds. I think he's really close to putting four rounds together, and I think you're going to see him shine. I'm I'm like a fan personally of Brian Harmon, so that's that's um, that's a good one. Here is someone – okay, there's two guys down here that I know are getting a lot of chatter around the industry already, and I want to make you choose between them for me. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at Charlie Hoffman and Tom Hoagie, and here are the reasons that I know the industry is um, somewhat high on both of them at $7,400. Hoagie comes in with a fifth place at the Farmers, a sixth at the American Express, and a twelfth at the Sony. Uh, I was actually impressed by Tom Hoagie because he played with Tiger on Sunday and had the best score out of that group of, of Hoagie and JB or of, uh, Tiger and JB Holmes. And the other guy is Charlie Hoffman, who, uh, quite frankly has been terrible, uh, since the Valero Texas Open, I believe, was his last top 10 before last week at the Farmers, where he actually also was seven under round of the day on Sunday with Mark Leishman. And Charlie's uh, record here at the Waste Management is pretty good. Makes a lot of cuts. He's had a couple of high finishes. So here we go. 7400 bucks for both of them, Charlie Hoffman or Tom Hoagie. This is not the time for me to bail on my boy. Tom Hoagie, <laughs> I, I, I mentioned his name. The past two weeks, I mentioned it at the American Express and he did great for me. He was one of my better players. He came in tied six. And then last week I mentioned him again. He, this is like the classic dark horse. This is the kind of, this is exactly 
what Tom Hoagie is exactly what I look for in a dark horse guy that has maybe some, uh, some good recent form. So we'll go back to the American Express when I picked him. He, he just was coming off a T12 at the Sony, right? So you know he's playing all right. And he, he in the statistical category has a great iron play. He, great iron play. He's all the way up to ninth in strokes gained approach the green so far this year. And so when, when I combine those things, and he, and he's a good putter, 31st in strokes gained putting. So, um, you, you combine those things either recent history or course history with a a key statistical category especially when you're down in the he's been in the six thousands up to 7400 this week but you combine those two things and it's a it's a great dark horse pick because the guys that are around him are going to have they're going to have none of it they're not going to check any boxes and if i'm in that range and can get two boxes i'm taking it now charlie hoffman i just he he could play great but he just, he's not as, he's not as hot right now. Tom Hoagie's hot. He's confident. Um, it's another course where iron play is going to be very important. Tom Hoagie is a, is a great pick in the 7,000 range, not just because of what he's done recently, but he's, I'm telling you, this guy's going to, you're going to remember this guy. He's going to start playing really, really good golf coming up soon. He's the real deal. This isn't just a pop up. Charlie Hoffman, seven under on Sunday. That doesn't do it for you. That's not hot enough. Charlie Hoffman can do that. I know that that's a great <laughs> round. Like Charlie Hoffman shot 65 in the first round of the Masters in the, in the most difficult conditions I can remember at the Masters. He is a great player and, but he is, uh, he's a streaky player. So I do, I like Charlie Hoffman and I like him at the waste management. I know that's kind of his tournament, right? But I, I just, I think Tom Hoagie is a guy I got to ride right now. Yeah, I was kind of just needling you a little bit because I also think it's Tom Hoagie here. Um, that yeah. that recent run, you know, basically three straight top tens. I know one of them is a twelfth place finish, but uh, the being paired with Tiger thing and and shooting four under on Sunday, the best in that group. That that's that's cool, right? Doesn't um, that, I mean, that's got to tell you that he's confident. Where he, that speaks to confidence more than anything. If there's yeah. a weakness or something, if there if you're fragile at all in any way, when you play with Tiger, it's going to get exposed. For sure. Um, The sub 7K range, I mean, I I don't have much here. This is a pretty ugly range for me. Uh, We talked, you know, the the tier above, you only get like one of those three things that you're looking for. Sub 7K, you might get one of the things that you're looking for. Um, I've kind of just circled... Uh, Grayson Murray, who for me, the fact that he's like second on tour in driving distance and we've seen him at least get hot recently. He was the first round leader at the American Express. Like I'm, I'm, I'm grasping at straws down here for guys in the 7k range and I doubt that any of them make like, you know, my core player pool or I bet them or anything like that. But Murray's the only one that, you know, I kind of just took a little pencil and gave it a, a little star. Yeah, it's a maybe like <laughs> right. Grayson, both Grayson Murray and Wyndham Clark, I think, are very similar players. They're they're uh, extremely talented, first of all. And I think they just they haven't quite figured out how to play consistent golf on the PGA Tour. But I, do, I think both of those guys have I, I honest, honestly, I think they have the game to win a tournament. I, I wouldn't be surprised if sometime this season on the PGA Tour, Grayson Murray won a, a tournament. Or I wouldn't be surprised if Wyndham Clark won a tournament somewhere on the PGA tour, they have the game to do it. It's just, I mean, you're talking about a guess. You, you pick one of those guys right now and you're basically throwing darts blindfolded. I, you just, you might get lucky. Um, and cause they're talented enough, but man, it's just, there's not a lot to really hang your hat on there. The, uh, the one guy that I do like, and he's uh, 6,900, he's pretty close here is Cameron Tringale. And again, like you said, I'm with you on this range. It, it's not a great range. But Cameron Tringale, I think, as a player over time, has really been improving. Um, and it's been a while. He's gradually improved his distance. And he's one of those guys that hasn't struggled with the irons despite the um, the increase in distance. You just kind of look back over time. He's averaging 302 off the tee this year. If you go back to 2018, it was a, a much different story. He was averaging 289 off the tee. So He's he's improved his distance tremendously. In 2017, he was 280, and that's kind of where he started on this journey. So he goes from 280 yards, and in three years, he's up and he's gained basically 20 yards. And his greens regulation, he's hitting 70 over 70 percent, 34th in strokes gained approach the green. I, I like him from a statistical standpoint. And then again, you look at his scores, you look at his recent form. 
and it's just kind of average, but he hasn't missed any cuts. He's right. put together good rounds, uh, but just not great rounds. I, I do think at the waste management, if you get yourself to where you're maybe 10 under par, you can be in really good shape. And I, I think that Cameron Trangale in that, um, in that $6,000 range could be a really good pick. I, I really could see him finishing in the top 15 this week, just kind of shooting 68s or, or 60, maybe a 67, couple 68s across the board. Yeah, to bolster your point, it's seven straight, uh, seven straight cuts made for him. He's 190 to one to win the golf tournament. But if you want to get him, uh, at a, like a top five or a, even a top 10 number, like 12 to one on top 10, five and a half to one on top 20, like now you're kind of piquing my interest a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good option. It's a good play. It, again, it's not a great play, but. When you're talking, these are pretty good odds for a play like that, right? Yeah. I mean, he's been consistent. Yeah, there are no great plays down here. If they were, yeah. if they were great plays, they wouldn't be down here. Um, well, see, that's the thing though. There's, there are times when, like Tom Hoagie to me was, it, maybe that's just a long shot, but he, he kind of checked multiple boxes in a place where you don't normally get that. So there, I think, I think that Tom Hoagie two weeks ago was a great play. Now here with Cameron Trigg, this week, I don't really see that out of anybody. Yeah. Is there anybody? I mean, I, I literally, I, I just don't think I will venture down here. Some of the names are, are really a struggle to put together. Um, I think if I go with a more balanced build in my lineups, I won't have to get down here. Uh, but yeah. is there anyone else? I mean, I like, I, I glanced at Sam Ryder or Patrick Rogers or even like Doc Redman, but I'm not excited about anybody else down here. No, I'm not either. I mean, it's just, it's too different. There's nothing that's really piquing my interest. Um, I mean, Kevin Chappell's price really low. You know how talented he is. If he, yeah. if he starts feeling a little better with his back, but I mean, you're so early on that. It's, it's just, you're, you're just asking for a miscut to kind of ruin a good lineup otherwise. So that, but I will say going way down there, it, it just makes it hard to play John Rahm or Justin Thomas. And the more and more I look at that getting way down there, I think those two guys are both going to get faded for me for the most part. And I think I'm going to start with the decky. I am finding no reason to disagree with that. It, it is. Yeah. When I start building lineups for this week, which will probably be, you know, tonight and tomorrow, it's going to be tough to get those guys in because yeah, you're going to decide between doc Redman and Kevin Chappell and whatnot. So, yeah. um, all right. I can, I can get on board with that. Let me, Throw this one at you. Maybe this will get you excited. Little heads up, a little, uh, little matchup action here. Let's just throw the two big boys at it. John Rom, Justin Thomas. John Rom is a slight favorite, minus 126 to John Rom's, I'm sorry, wow, to Justin Thomas's minus 108. Do you have a lean on these guys? I have a lean on John Rom. Um, I just think that he's been right near the top of the leaderboard every time he tees it up lately. And there's no reason to think that it's going to cool off other than it's kind of like Murphy's law, right? If it's possible, then it will happen. And, and it's probably going to cool down at some point, but there's no evidence to say it's going to be this week, right? He gets off to that start that he did at, at Torrey Pines and then comes roaring back. And, you know, who knows? I mean, he, if he looks at the leaderboard, does he choose a different shot? I, I highly doubt it, but maybe he does. I, he, he just, he showed the player that he is when it's going bad, it doesn't really matter for him. He knows what he is. He knows who he is. He's confident with it. He's going to make it happen. I, I got to say, and not to say that Justin Thomas is it that way because he is, but I just, I think John Rom has a little bit more firepower. I, I just think John Rom is, uh, has a slight edge. Um, and it's slight. It probably right with the odds, but I got to go John Rom. You're probably yeah, the opposite. Right? I really like JT. Um, not like necessarily in this matchup because I think you're right. Splitting hairs. These guys are both so incredible. And what John, the run John Rahm is on is nuts. Like to, JT might have to win the golf tournament to beat John Rahm in this, in this that's matchup, good, which is, you're probably right. Usually not a situation I like to get myself in, but I, I, I just feel like, uh, if JT, you know, we haven't seen him play in a couple of weeks when he, the last time he did play, he was, Kind of bad, especially with the putter. But like, I, I feel like if he just would have made the cut at Sony or we would have seen him more recently, these odds would be closer. So I'll just take the better odds, which is Justin Thomas, because I think that they're both, you know, it's, it's super razor thin. Yeah. 
I agree. See, I just don't play that strategy too much. I, I, I like to play the strategy of, well, the odds are going to be set for a reason. And right. playing the odds is a risky game, obviously. But it, it, I just try to choose who I think is really going to win, especially when it's that close. Who do I think is, is going to win? I, I think John Rahm has fewer holes in this game right now. Uh, it's hard to argue. I've got one more matchup for you here, and then uh... – We'll see what else we got. But how about this one? Because I think you mentioned both of these guys as liking them. Uh, Ryan Palmer uh, on DraftKings, he's $8,200. Uh, and Cameron Smith, who's 8100 You only get one of them. Who you get? Man, this is one I'm probably, uh, and this is such a cop-out answer, I'm probably staying away from this. I did mention both of these names. Yeah. But I mentioned them as guys that I don't like. Um, Cam, oh, okay. um, Ryan Palmer was a guy that I really liked last week. Because of his driving ability, I thought that would be a, a huge advantage at um, at Torrey Pines, and it proved to be until the final day at least. But everybody in that group just struggled. But yeah. Cam Smith, like, I, I like Cam Smith. I would have to choose Cam Smith in this one. I think that what he can do with the putter is probably uh, probably gives him a really good advantage. The, the putting and short game is always valuable. It's always valuable. But I just worry about his, his tee to green stuff, um, 100th tee to green this year despite having a, a win on the PGA Tour, right? He's 141st in strokes gain approach the green. He, it just it, it just gives me pause, 113th in greens of regulation. But all that being said, he makes birdies, right? 4.5 birdies per round, um, 17th on tour in birdie average. I, I think I'm, I'm pretty – the more I look at this, the more strongly I am Cam Smith. I, I think you got to take Cam Smith in that matchup. All right, I'll, we'll go two for two on picking opposite guys here. I mean, so I, I like Cam Smith, but Ryan Palmer to me, and I know this is kind of a corny thing to say, is like one shot and like a half a round away from two really, really good finishes. Like he played so well at the Sony, tries to hit the hero shot out of the bunker on eight, uh, the 72nd hole. Hits it out of the park, like that drops him to a T4. And then he's in the final group on Saturday at Torrey Pines, doesn't really play all that well on Sunday. Like, I, I don't know, he just seems like he's knocking at the door to me. Hasn't missed the cut since the Open Championship. He's got a, a handful of top tens in that span. And I believe he actually has, I want to say a second place. Yeah, a second place finish here yeah. in Phoenix back in 2015, which is kind of the tiebreaker. For me, so I'll go with uh, Ryan Palmer and spend the extra. Uh, Benjamin, I'm kind of I'm a little bit excited here to <laughs> to come back and revisit this because the thing here's the thing with Ryan Palmer to me. We were talking about this with John Rom. Like, when is it going to end? I think Ryan Palmer's playing as well as he possibly can. Hasn't finished outside the top uh, the top 17 really since since the start of the year or since the Shriners after the first event of the year until last week. I, I look at that. 77 in the final round of Torrey Pines, and I think that's going to be a damper for him. I, I think it's a he had a chance to win. I think last week was the opportunity. It was the tipping point for him, and I think, unfortunately, it went the other way. Huge fan of him as a player, but I, I expect a, some slow time for Ryan Palmer coming up. It is interesting. We have these guys, Tom Hoagie, Ryan Palmer, you know, guys that were – even John Rahm, just comparatively, like – how long can they do this for? Right. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But Greg, uh, it's time. I've got to get you on the record here for your one and done pick. Uh, I still contend it is not fair that we have to do this before everybody else. Uh, everybody else gets to listen to this before they make their picks. But who are you going for this week in the one and done? Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah. I think I knew that was coming. Yeah. It's it just <laughs> to me, look, this is, it, it's like, Kind of like a Bubba situation. If he wins this week, which I expect, if if he wins this week, he will have six PGA Tour wins, and three of them will be at this event. So right now he's kind of at 40%-ish of his wins on PGA Tour are here. I, I think it's just such a good place for him. I think he's playing well. I know what happened last week. Don't look too much into that. Um, and and I, I don't look at him as a guy that I'm going to choose in a major. I don't think he's a guy I'm going to choose in a WGC I, I'm very comfortable burning him. And if he burns me and, and misses the cut or something, which he's never done before, he maybe he, if he gets hurt again, like he did two years ago and has to WD, um, then, then I'll, I'll gladly take that. It's worth the risk for me. What I will say is 
This is uh, probably the most natural spot for any golfer in any tournament to use. Uh, with the course record with Hideki, and you're right, the fact that like you're, you're probably not going to use him in any of the majors or WGCs or anything like that. The only other one I can even think of off the top of my head is like Bubba at TPC River Highlands in Hartford, right? It's just like yeah. something yep. so natural about it. it like, yes, this, you will get zero arguments from using Hideki at waste management from me. It's so, so natural. But, uh, you're going to disagree. Of course, there's well, a butt here. Of course. For me, <laughs> this is, this is mostly out of, uh, spite or, uh, like, I'm hoping to, rub Gary Woodland uh in everyone's face cuz I told Mark and Kyle you guys are going to be really upset uh when you got a goose egg from from Gary at Tory Pines I use him this week at waste management and he goes on and wins the thing so uh I've already yeah. bet him I think he's such a great fit and I am like dying for that sweet sweet opportunity uh to tell those guys about this Gary Woodland win so I'm I'm all in here well I do think Gary Woodland's going to play great I think it's a good pick yeah. Uh, it, it definitely makes sense. And there's a little, it's sweet. Like you said, you get a little bit of that extra revenge. I'm just glad that I'm not in the middle of that. I, cause I gotta tell you, I was between, I was on the fence last week between Gary Woodland and Tony Finau. I'm really glad I went Tony Finau cause that made about a quarter, it made me about a quarter of a million dollars. Um, and, and it also gets me out of this little revenge. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, I just want to twist the knife a little bit. Um, well, how do you feel about this event wrapping up on Super Bowl Sunday? Like, I, I feel like when they go to a playoff, I'm always flipping back and forth, but like, this is the perfect tournament to end on Super Bowl Sunday, right? I think you're right. Um, it, it's a great tournament there. It draws a great field for whatever the reason may be. Um, and I think it may have something to do with the crowd support. It, it draws a great field and it's really cool to watch. And I, I will, say i am going to stay with this um i'm going to stay with this tournament till it ends i'll flip to the super bowl when it's done but uh i'm all in on this tournament here and i can't wait to watch it do you want to give us your super bowl pick while we're while yeah kansas kansas city (laughs) i'm going with the chiefs look patrick mahomes i think is a generational quarterback you gotta you gotta imagine here he's in his third year as a player his second year as a starter his first year as a starter, he goes out and wins the MVP, 5,000 5, yards and 50 touchdowns in the year. And this year he has a little knee injury, and all of a sudden he's right here where I think he belonged last year. He, they would have gone to the Super Bowl last year if it weren't for D Ford lining up offsides. Just consider that. So I, I got to go with Patrick Mahomes. I just I think there's nothing that he can't overcome. I, I can't wait to watch it. My heart says Chiefs. I'm a little bit on the fence. So I want to, you know what I want to do is I want to listen to, uh, our buddy Will Brinson over on the Pick Six podcast. I know they're doing a ton of Super Bowl coverage on the CBS Sports Podcast Network. It's the Pick Six Pod. It's Fantasy Football Today. So I want to hear what those guys have to say, um, before I make any final, uh, commitments to this, but I'm leaning on the Chiefs also. Here's another thing, Greg, another CBS week. Waste Management Phoenix Open is on CBS, so you can stream for free online on the CBS Sports app. You can watch Super Bowl coverage on CBS Sports HQ. I mean, there is literally, like, everything that's going on in the sports world uh, this week, you can find something great on CBS okay, so affiliate. This is what you were talking about, right? You're going you're gonna, to uh, be flipping back and forth. What you just said is we don't have to flip back and forth. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have CBS on, on my TV. I'm going to be watching the Waste Management Open, and on my – uh, I'll probably get my iPad out, maybe my computer. I'll get I'll get the um, the CBS Sports app and I'll watch the Super Bowl that way. How's that? Boom! Nailed it! Absolutely nailed it! That will do it uh, for this week's the first cut to the DFS betting preview for the Waste Management. Greg, uh, you are the man. Thank you so much. Uh, you can find Greg on Twitter at the Real GFD. You can find me on Twitter at Rick Run Good. And we'll talk to you next time. No, you're the man. Ha, 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 ha.